Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Schneider Electric Amigos Green. We have Gulf Food Manufacturing in a couple of days' time. It's the biggest event in the region for food and beverage brands for manufacturers, and we have nobody better than Mike Jameson himself to talk about this. Mike Jameson, you should know him. You will know him next week. I promise you that. He is our segment president for consumer packaged goods at Schneider Electric. Mike, it is an absolute pleasure to have you and also have you coming over to Dubai. Well, what an introduction, Alex. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing you and seeing the whole team and the customers uh, this weekend in Dubai. Let's start the conversation then. Um, I'm going to jump in with a big question. Now, we've obviously seen a lot of change over the past two years because of the pandemic. What has happened to the the food and beverage segment in that time? How is it looking to adapt? Yeah, well, you know, Alex, if if we wind back pre-pandemic, you know, if you look at the food and beverage industry, there there was always lots of discussions going on about, you know, looking at the supply chain, the value chain, how they can adapt it uh, more efficiently how they can start to digitize it. Uh, obviously, a big focus on sustainability across all food and bev. Um, and, and things were moving, I would say, relatively slowly uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, as soon as COVID started to hit and you started to see the disruptions that were hitting the supply chain, uh, whether it be lack of being able to get your raw materials from other countries, uh, the inability to to flex your production to maybe going from an on-trade to an off-trade or or vice versa, be able to reformat your product to a different use. Um, it started to hit a lot of manufacturers and it, and it was a bit of a wake-up call that, that made them realize, well, this is exactly why we need to do a digital transformation because we should be able to flex our business model more efficiently. We should be able to reformulate our products based upon availability of raw materials. Um, we should be able to switch to different markets based upon uh, the, the accessibility. So, so I think over the past two years, we, we've seen a dramatic uh, shift of focus, um, a real acceleration towards uh, digitization to improve flexibility of, of the value chain. But combined with that as well is, is the, the whole push on sustainability. I, I, I think uh, the manufacturers are not looking to do this just to improve their profitability. They're also recognizing we need to do this in a sustainable manner because this has been a bit of a wake-up call as well on on just how deep, how how broad, and how trusted are some of the the sustainability changes that these customers have been doing as well, because it has exposed a lot of the the, the vulnerabilities across the supply chain for many of the manufacturers. So I would say the, the it's the 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 segment starting to adapt very quickly now, uh, but it's been forced to, uh, and the pandemic has has certainly driven that. Let's look at the sustainability issue first, Mike. It's now COP26. We've got everybody gathering in Glasgow to talk over what we're going to do in terms of climate change and carbon emissions. What is the the role of the F&B sector in terms of pushing for carbon change, for pushing for net zero, and what role does technology play in that? Oh, it's it's that's a, it's a big question, Alex. Because I I think the this the food and beverage industry has always been at the forefront on on sustainability you know recognizing that we need to make sure we're sustainably sourcing um, you know avoiding deforestation um, you know if you look at regenerative agriculture so it's it's a very broad topic you know uh, on the upstream part you know in agriculture but also on the downstream part you know with things like 
um, reuse of plastic uh, um, uh, or elimination of plastic, single-use plastics. It's, it's a really, really broad topic within the food and beverage space. But add on top of that, if you look at some of the discussions that are going on with the World Economic Forum in, in combination with COP26, is, is the, the, the issue with uh, food waste. You know, because uh, sustainability, you know, it comes also from efficiency on how you produce and consume. And, and when you, you, you realize that 30% of food is being wasted, you know, that's not really helping with sustainability of the planet. It's also not helping with feeding the planet when you wind forward to 2050. So we don't want to have to take over more land for agriculture to feed the world when we've got 30% of food being wasted. So um, it's a very broad topic uh, for food and bev. And, and we're seeing... Um, uh, many companies starting in different places, you know, some starting on the end with what I mentioned about plastics. You got some starting off looking at things like regenerative agriculture. Um, but I guess the key thing is, which ties into the whole discussion on greenwashing, you know, where you're basically making yourself look greener than what you actually are. I think the big focus for food and beverage customers is, is about being able to be trustworthy and, and transparent in what they're doing, being able to present when you say something was sustainably sourced, can you prove it? When you're actually saying that this is recycled materials or, or you've got a circular economy in place to deal with your product, can you prove it? That your product's not involved in deforestation, can you prove it? So I, I think trust and transparency is, is one of the key areas that, that food and beverage companies are focused on to help you know, really help to drive the sustainability goals that they're, they're all committed to try and achieve. It's a fantastic point you touched on, Mike, in terms of FMB players having seen this early on. You know, we've got some of our customers like Unilever and Nestle, and they've long been known for looking at sustainability, not just simply because of of the public demand for change, but also as well because of resource efficiency. You know, if you look at companies like these, what are they doing in terms of technology? How are they leveraging technology to become more efficient and more productive and more sustainable? Yeah, and I think, Alex, when you, when you look at where it started, again, pre-pandemic, a big focus area was more around the, the scope one emissions, so inside the plants. And then moving into scope two, uh, which is more about how you procure your energy, use your energy. And, and these are two areas which have, have been a, a big focus. Uh, many of the companies you mentioned, uh, they've been involved in your know, Nestle. Uh, we, I think we've got on display in Terminal 3 at the, the Dubai airport uh, is a use case with Nestle there on, on water conservation that was done with a clean in place solution. Uh, to, to show we can conserve water, reduce the, the use of chemicals when you're, you're cleaning the plant to make sure that the, 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 the food production is secure. That's a sustainability driver, yeah, because you're conserving the use of water. Um, we've also worked with many customers on the scope one side on understanding where you use your utility, you know, whether it be air, whether it be cooling, whether it be ele electricity. First of all, you've got to identify where you use it before you can start to reduce it. So lots of activities on, on energy reduction in scope one uh, that have been done with, with customers over, over many years. On the scope two side, you know, we've worked with many of these customers as well around things like uh, power purchase agreements, uh, switching to uh, renewable sources, uh, microgrid solutions to be able to make sure you're optimizing the way you use your different utilities as well. Uh, so these are areas which have, have made a, a big impact with many customers as well on, on their overall carbon footprint on the, on the consumption of energy within their plants. Uh, the one that's emerging very fast just now that we're working with customers on is the scope three, which is a lot harder. Being able to identify you know, who you're sourcing your materials from, 
um, how your your then your logistics with your your finished product downstream as well. How do you start to impact that? You know, because I think you know the 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 food and beverage companies, agriculture is still one of the biggest uh, contributors to CO2 emissions. So making sure that you um, whether it be irrigation systems within the fields, uh, even things that we're involved in heavily with with many of the major manufacturers is looking at things like vertical farming, controlled environment agriculture, uh, because that that removes the need for potentially long shipping routes to get your raw materials to your production facility because you can grow locally. Um, it also means that you know you can start to uh, have a lot more flexibility in in your your materials that you use within your process as well. And, and one panacea that we're working with a few customers on is is being able to take this whole utilities environment, this whole energy, the whole carbon footprint, and, and, and build it into your product. So understanding energy more as an ingredient, you know, rather than looking at, you know, just the ingredients of the, the sugar, the, the, the maize, whatever it may be, look at the energy consumption to produce that product, the carbon footprint to produce that product. And then use that information to drive educated decisions. Should I be making it here? Should I be making it? You know, can I reformulate it to make it more efficient? Can I change my source materials, my my logistics, my distribution, uh, to make it more efficient? Because in the end, right at the end of that value chain is a consumer, and and what we're seeing is consumers want to know what they're consuming. And and if you can start to present that you have got some a product which is a low carbon footprint. Uh, which is sustainably sourced, it's going to help you with your consumer as well, who is is definitely slanting more and more towards preferring these types of products uh, to procure. Now, Mike, one last question for me. You're coming over to the Middle East. You're going to be at Gulf Food Manufacturing. You're going to be meeting, obviously, a lot of companies, a lot of brands here, even before you come out here, but before you start traveling. What words of advice would you give to them, um, given you know, the issues that we're facing both globally, but also as well, the local level, obviously, we're talking here about food security, we're talking about other issues. What should brands across the Middle East and Africa be thinking about doing? Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a great point. And, and I think, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in, in, in the Middle East and Africa. And yeah, it, it's certainly in the Middle East, it, you, there's um, some unique manufacturing approaches, you know, with completely vertically integrated businesses, which makes the management of your um your value chain a little bit easier because you know you you own the farms, you own the logistics distribution, and sometimes even own the retail. So having a, a truly integrated value chain theoretically is is slightly easier in 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 certain parts of the Middle East. Um, so I think uh, you know investing in the future, I think it's really to to keep an eye on this whole horizontal integration. I I think. We're seeing many companies in the Middle East that are looking at, you know, large plants, um, you know, energy efficient plants, uh, indoor growing. I mentioned before, you know, a, a key thing, you know, for for the environment that you have in the Middle East. Um, some some great advances being done in 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 the territory around that space. But but I would I would urge to look horizontally across the whole value chain, uh, because you know if you look at the the challenges with. Uh, uh, Water uh, availability, you know, making sure with your irrigation systems, you know, how, how you're managing your farms, they're kept as efficient as possible. The quality characteristics coming into your plant are integrated. The downstream logistics, you know, making sure all of it's integrated. So I think um, I, the the message I'd give here is this horizontal integration. I think uh, Middle East Africa uh, having 
good strong visibility and control over the value chain by doing this horizontal integration for me is what digital transformation is about it's not just about the vertical integration you know getting the asset information you know from one machine up to the cloud and doing analytics yeah that's very good but the true impact uh, in manufacturing middle eastern africa is about driving this horizontal integration making it more streamlined more slick more efficient and ultimately more sustainable yeah, by focusing on this horizontal integration. And, and this is probably one of the key messages I'll be conveying this weekend as well, is about how we can really help uh, manufacturers, customers inside Middle East Africa uh, on this digital transformation horizontally across your business. So I think this is one of the things that could make the biggest impact in, in the region in the future. We are very much looking forward, Mike, to having you over here. You are going to be speaking as well at Gulf Food Manufacturing at the conference. You've got a keynote presentation on day one, which is on the 7th, from 1.30 p.m. in Sheikh Saeed 2 Hall. A title is fantastic. It's the climate risk era leading with courage. So I'd urge anybody and everybody to get down, listen to what Mike has to say, and there will be a Q&A session as well. So you can go and grab him and, and take all that, all that knowledge and experience he has and, and benefit from that. A pleasure to have you with us, Mike. Thanks, Alex. And as always, thank you for listening in. Do stay safe, stay well. We are going to have another episode same time next week. Until then, take care. Goodbye. 